When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Field, that one's called to the right. Hunter on the move. Racing back. It's over his head. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. This is Red Sox Beat on CLNS Radio. I think it would be a big statement if John Farrell started Travis Shaw on opening day, and I'd be totally cool with it. Because I think it would, it, it, if that doesn't give Sandoval motivation to, to play better defense and play better, period, nothing will. I think they're going to make Jeter that first unanimous vote, and I hate that about baseball writers. If you belong in the Hall of Fame, you get voted in the Hall of Fame. Achievement or a new milestone. So don't just be like, hey, we, we signed this player, so we're going to have a ceremony. Like, no, no. Like. Now, to your hosts. All right, welcome in, Red Sox fans. Red Sox beat here on CLNS Radio. Of course, the show is brought to you by Blue Apron and a new sponsor, SeatGeek. Blue Apron, of course, is mission statement is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. Uh, you can check it out. Get three, uh, three free meals now. Red Sox beat if you go to uh, blueapron.com and put in the uh, promo code Red Sox beat. Uh, it's, uh, it's a great one. And then, of course, SeatGeek now as well. SeatGeek's great. You're going to get $20 off by entering the promo code RSB, uh, and it's going to be great, and you're going to get $20 off your next ticket purchase. Um, so, of course, welcome SeatGeek as a new sponsor. Of course, we big week, oh, bad week for the Red Sox, but big week to talk about is stuff to talk about. Uh, find us on Twitter at Red Sox underscore beat. Facebook is Red Sox beat podcast. Obviously on iTunes and Stitcher as well. Uh, guys, my prediction if they lose today as we're recording this Sunday afternoon, my prediction from last week is going to come true. As much as I want it to come true, it sucks that it had to. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a rough week for the Sox. Yeah, T- two games, giving up a combined 34 runs. Not ideal. Yeah, <laughs> I was at the game, the 21-2 game yesterday. Oh, my Lord. Sorry. Um, the, best, the best thing that happened to that, that game, that one, I got to boo Clay Buckholz off the field, and two, Al Horford signed for the Boston Celtics. That was the two highlights of that game. Um, <laughs> it was bad. It was hard to sit through. Um, I had a couple of adult beverages in me to make me get through it, and it was a struggle uh, to be there in this hot sun uh, until the sun went down. I, but Buckholz is just, oh, my God. I, I know we're going to get into it, but, guys, Clay Buckholz yesterday, that they, they ha- they has to be his last start. I mean, the bullpen was give up most of the runs. <laughs> but like, you have a you have a game. Yes, he was and it, bad. He was really bad, and then he comes out and says, "You know, it wasn't my worst start ever. I only gave up three earned runs. Yeah, on two homers. This guy keeps throwing meatballs. He, he can't. Keep, he never says the right thing. <laughs> no, it's, that quote was. It's like he that, can't take responsibility for what he's. I mean, he's yeah, he's spewing facts about his starts, but on up to the fact that you suck right now. He comes out and says that wasn't the worst start I've had all year. Like Clay, come on. That's lowering your bar pretty far. <laughs> yeah, come on now. If you're actually defending yourself after that start, 
after you bolted down the tunnel after that. Oh God, it was horrific. Um, it didn't take long for the boo birds to come out at Fenway. That's for sure. Um, His quotes are like but, he's a rookie. Yeah, it's like he doesn't care. He doesn't care. It's, he really it's really weird. And it's disheartening, and it's hard to see. And his team needs a smart spark, and we're going to get to that idea of what the spark could be later. Um, but right now, Jess is going to recap this horrible week. Um, best they can do is three and three if they win this game today. Um, either way, it has not been fun to watch this week. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, three and three against these two teams still isn't even that good. <laughs> no, no, and that's the, the Rays best they can and do, the Angels. Are you kidding me? It's awful. Yeah, it is not. Not ideal in any in any sense of the word. Uh, started off terribly on uh, Monday, so we had a nice three game series at the Rays. You think, all right, you know, sweep two out of three, something like that. And then Eduardo Rodriguez comes out and gets up nine runs in two and a third innings. It's like, all right, here we go. Good start to the week. Good to see that Erod's you know getting better and working past his injury. And <laughs> and that was that was the worst start. I've seen in a long time. Clay Buckles doesn't even start like that. That was absolutely brutal. He couldn't do anything. Two and a third, ten hits, nine runs. That was hard to watch. <laughs> yeah, it was all hard to watch. Yeah, it was not good. It was painful. <laughs> so bad. Yeah. Yeah, it was It was pretty brutal. Um, so, yeah, it was 9 nothing before he could even know what happened, which is... You know, not the way to start off the series, especially when the team you're playing came into the game with an 11-game losing streak. That makes it even worse. You're already terrible, and you don't even have a good excuse of, oh, it's a good team. It's a team that could literally do nothing the last two weeks, and you go up nine runs in two innings. That's not that's not good. That's just bad. And no, as a result, he, he was sent to the minors. <laughs> so, Like, this team has a habit of now just sending pitchers straight to the minors from these games. Um, obviously, Joe Kelly was the last one, and now Joe Kelly's coming back as a reliever when that happens. So... Who knows what's going on with this pitching staff? And you have the one guy who thought might be a bright spot in Rodriguez now going to the minors because he can't pitch either. Yeah, yeah it hasn't been bad. Yeah, it, Jess, it was not a great. It was not a great start from Rodriguez, and obviously that's why. Yeah, it was brutal. Fortunately, the Red Sox came up, came back a little bit. They they gave a little uh, little run for the raise money. It wasn't enough. I mean, they got got back to nine to three in the fourth and fifth innings. Uh, Bryce Brent set a two RBI double, and then uh, then the Rays got another run, ten to three, uh, and then more little comeback, uh, ten to four. Sandy Leone hit a home run, his first home run with the Red Sox in the eighth inning to make it twelve to six. So I go, maybe we have a chance. But then Kimbrell got up a run, thirteen to six, and the final was thirteen to seven. So good offense. You normally seven runs, twelve hits would net you a win, but not when the other team gets thirteen runs and eighteen hits. So you know. That didn't uh, that didn't work out too well. <laughs> no, and it seems like this was just the trend for what the week was that comes. A lot of hits, pitching poor. Um, obviously, the next game was the good, the bright spot of the week. Um, but it's just the kind of the theme for the rest of the week was just bad pitching after bad pitching. Yes, yeah, in this game, Logan Forsythe, Evan Longoria, Oswaldo Arcia, Taylor Motter, and Nick Franklin all had three hits. That's Incredible. That's that's the way yeah. to lose. So that was yeah, it, that was it, Monday's game. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. That's a, that's just the tip of the iceberg for this week. Yeah, we thought that was the worst yeah. of the week. T- turned out to not be the case. So that brought us into uh, Tuesday against Tampa Bay, the uh, best game of the week. Eight uh, two Red Sox win. Rick Porcello started off uh, just, 
you know, he got in, got in a little jam, bases loaded, but he got out of it, and overall he gave up five hits in one run, eight strikeouts in six innings, gave the team exactly what they needed, and uh, the offense, led by Travis Shaw, knocked Chris Archer around the park, dropped him to 4-11 and 11 on the season. Shaw had three hits and five RBI. He had a solo home run and a uh, two-RBI single and two-RBI double. So he had a really, really nice game. Um, so that was kind of led by led by Shaw and uh, Porcello. I mean, you got to give credit to Porcello. He's 9-2 and two with a 378 ERA. He really has done well this year, and he hasn't gotten a ton of credit. He got credit for his good start, and he fell off a little bit and didn't get as much credit. But overall, and you can't complain, especially with how bad the pitching's been. Yeah, no, you can't complain with Porcello's start. Um, obviously, Travis Shaw had a big game, but um, this game on Tuesday was the uh, was the bright spot by far, and Porcello was the only bright spot uh, this week in terms of the pitching. Yeah, no, it's it's yeah. funny to think that. Yeah, I think I think that um, that that game. It's it's weird to think that like Porcello is um, is, is even. Pitching well. I mean, obviously he's been that constant all year, um, but it's weird to see that now he's the one that only is the only one that had a good week, especially against two teams who are just bad. A little bit of a concern, definitely. Um, but that was a great game. Got a win, a much needed win, a win column, um, and then that brought us into Wednesday afternoon matinee game. Matt Moore against David Price. You think it would be a good game, but uh, Matt Moore was totally dominant. Seven innings, three hits, no runs. Uh, Price had ten strikeouts, but he decided to give up four runs and nine hits in addition, which is kind of the story of a season. A lot of strikeouts and crappy, uh, just like one inning, two innings. And this game was the third inning. He had three runs in the third inning. Uh, five hits, just totally fell apart. And then was fine after that, but, it, you know, one bad inning, especially if the other pitcher's pitching a shutout, you can't have that. Yeah, no, and look, there's no denying that Price hasn't been great, um, and I think you, if you watch him close enough like we all do, um, his mechanics went back to what they were when he was sucking before. Like His leg kick isn't as high and consistent as it was when he was pitching well again, so um, you just got to stay consistent if you're David Price here, and you got, you got to right the ship. Now, you're into July, all-star breaks next week. Um, re- really got to think that this guy's got to turn around like ASAP. Yeah, I mean, we signed him for so long and for so much money. We want to see ace-like quality from him, and we're getting the ace-like quality strikeouts, but we're not getting the ace-like quality starts, and it's so frustrating. And I'm glad that he takes responsibility for it, but, like, every game, unacceptable, I'm not good enough, I need to be better, I'm not good enough, I swear the best is yet to come. I'm like, you keep saying that, and you keep pitching bad. When are you going to start pitching well? Yeah, it's it's tough when you you know he's at least he's the one saying, you know, I'm not pitching well, and she's saying that stuff, but... Um, at some point, his balls have to drop, and you, you need he needs to pitch a little tougher. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad he's taking responsibility. It's kind of like the opposite of Clay Buckles, but we're almost halfway through the season now. How like how many times can you say I'll be better? I'll be better before you actually start doing better. Yeah, and there was some stat too. It was like out of pitchers with a certain amount of innings pitched, you know, those kinds of things. His ERA was like fifth to last in the league. <laughs> Which is terrible. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it's... The ERA's almost five. It makes sense. I mean, it does make sense, but it's just hard to think about when you're... Yeah. 
I know. And he did have a, he got a good stretch of games. No, I mean, no one's no one's not saying that, but he's had enough terrible games that it's still keep his, kept his ERA high, and overall he hasn't done well because his ERA is almost five, and you don't feel comfortable, and we haven't recently we haven't gotten a lot of wins in his starts, and when the pitching has been so bad overall, you kind of kind of rely on that supposed ace to you know get you at least a win one out of the five days of the week, and it's just not happening. All right, so Jess, earlier in the week you threw out a stat that's kind of surprising that um, David Price's ERA is one point lower than Clay Buckles' ERA. This was before his start yesterday. Um, so it's, it's kind of surprising to me because we have David Price, who's supposed to be our ace, and he's supposed to have you know a low ERA, and he's getting the strikeouts, but he's not getting the he, – he just can't – he gives up too many runs for his, his – to how many strikeouts he gives up, and then there's Buckles who gives up all these runs, and they have roughly around the same ERA before yesterday. So, I mean, that's kind of surprising to me. I don't know how you feel about it. Yeah, even with yesterday involved, I mean, Buckles is at 5.91, Price is at 4.74, Price is 8 and 5, Buckles is 3 and 9. So the records are completely not driving, and the ERAs are, you know, Price is almost 5, Buckles is almost 6. Buckles has had basically two good starts and Price has had like six or seven, yet they still almost have the same ERA. So clearly the problem is for Price, he's being extremely bad in his bad outings, which isn't good for an ace. No, and it's just like there's no middle ground, like you said. So it's just a matter of when he's pitching, if he's going to suck, he needs to suck for like a half an inning and then figure it out. Yeah, he, he always has one bad, one or two bad innings, and it just ruins the entire game because we get down and then we – don't seem to come back in the last like month of his starts. Yeah, and it's really frustrating to watch. Yeah, it's it's just stupid. So that was that game. That was Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> Two out of three lost it to the Rays, who had lost eleven in a row. So that's about as bad as it gets. Um, so that brought us into Friday uh, with the Angels. Now this game was really weird. The Sox got a five nothing lead fairly early, and then uh, it started raining. This was a Stephen Wright start, so you expect it to be good. Started raining really hard, thunderstorms and whatnot, and then Wright stayed in the game. He loaded the bases in the fifth inning, and and uh, gave up a grand slam to C.J. Crone, who's had an unreal series, um, which was stupid to leave Wright in because when he gets wet and sweaty, his knuckleball doesn't work. So yeah, he he's gonna get all wet and sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> so it didn't work. And this is the sixth inning, excuse me. So Crone hit the grand slam, and then Wright came out of the game. Then it went to a rain delay, and then no one scored the rest of the time. It was scoreless for the last three innings. The Sox bullpen shut it down. Um, Craig Kimbrell almost blew it. It was a a double that for uh, Nava with Trout on base that would have tied the game. But it went to the crowd, and the fan appeared to reach over, but they reviewed it, and they called it not fan interference, and then the Sox won. So it was a really weird end. Great bullpen work. Weird game overall with an hour-and-a-half rain delay. Yeah, really weird game, and I'm really surprised that the fan interference wasn't called. We got such a break on that. I'm pretty sure Farrell said after the game that he said around the same thing. He was like, I don't know how that wasn't called. But, you know, weird game, long game, but it was a win nonetheless. Yeah, no, it was really weird. Um, Stephen Wright obviously needed to come out of that game, and he didn't. Um, But, hey, Win's a win. He pitched fine too when it was when it was not raining. So it's just that moisture, man. Doesn't like to get wet. Man. No, his arm gets wet, his hands get wet, and he can't throw he can't throw his knuckler. So nope. 
But, I mean, yeah, a win's a win. We've had a lot of things go against us in the last month, obviously, so just to get any kind of win, no matter what, was excellent because if that was a run, it would have been tied at five, probably would have gone extra innings, blah, 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 that crap. So Yeah, exactly. Really nice to just get a win, especially in this this week. So that made it a two-and-two two week, and everyone was looking up, like, this could be the momentum game that turns the season around, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. And then Saturday happened, and the Angels won 21-2. to two. <laughs> So. <laughs> So that bad. That didn't work out too well. <laughs> you don't have to recap that game. Just, like, it was bad. Yeah, uh, Buckle started off poorly in the first couple innings, 3 nothing after 2, and then kind of settled down. And then uh, after 5, it was 9-1. to one, And then in the seventh inning, the Angels scored 11 runs. That's all you need to know. Bullpen was terrible. Ryan Lamar pitched the last inning. Uh, <laughs> you want to know how bad it was, guys? Really, though, I, can, like, I, I said I was there. At, at some point, when during that seventh inning, we were all cheering for the Angels. Like we were cheering when they hit home runs and they were getting hit runs because there was nothing else to cheer about. Did you stay the entire game through the seventh inning? So we missed Betts' home run. <laughs> I mean, I walked out. I literally, me and my brother went and we walked out. And then all of a sudden, I turn around and hear their music they play when they get a run. And I'm like, well, someone just hit a home run, and I missed it. And we looked and it was Mookie. <laughs> I'm so I mean, happy it was Mookie because. My prediction is now one of my bold predictions from the beginning of the season is now correct. So go me. Yep, Lauren predicted 17 home runs for the All Star break for Betts. The All Star breaks next week, and he has exactly 17 home runs. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So if there's a, if there's a bright spot to that game, it's I got something out of it. Plus, it made it, it made it 22. <laughs> it did. Yeah, you got a second run. Uh, yeah, so that was uh, about as ugly as it gets, and probably exactly the opposite of what you'd want after the nice momentum building close squeak out a win on Friday. That was the worst loss for the Red Sox in 16 years. They lost the Yankees 22-1 to in 2000, and there's not been one that bad since, so uh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, it was it was just hard to watch. And now, uh, now we're out here uh, on Sunday in the middle of the game, and uh, this game's going a little better. It's uh, scoreless in the uh, fourth inning, so we'll, we'll take that. Um, if the Sox win, it'll be a obviously by the time you're listening, it'll be over. It'll be a three and three week if they win, a two and four week if they lose. Either way, not very good, uh, especially against two of the worst teams in the league. The Angels are terrible. The Rays are terrible. Yeah, and right now the Red Sox are terrible. So it's it's bad overall. I didn't even know to give MVP to. I probably should have just given it to Rick Porcello, but um, <laughs> but Travis Shaw did a five RBI in that game. He had seven RBI in the week, only four hits, but I mean really. The team played so bad. I don't really think anybody deserves MVP. <laughs> I'm okay with giving no MVP out. They don't deserve it. Yeah. If we have to, Porcello and Shaw, just for that nice 8-2 win in the only good game of the series. <laughs> yeah, I can't argue with you guys there. I mean, just oh, man. We, we went up until, you know, two weeks ago having multiple MVPs, having one MVP, and now it's just none. It's just awful. So there you go. Bad week. Um, best case scenario, 3-3. Three and three. Uh Knowing the Red Sox luck this week, probably not. We'll recap. Uh, we'll, we'll preview the week ahead at some point and later in the show as well. Um, Jess's recap, though, great job as always, Jess, um, was brought to you by Blue Apron. Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. Blue Apron achieves this by supporting a more sustainable food system, setting the high standards for ingredients, and building a community of home Chefs, obviously, it has a huge impact on households. Cooking together builds strong family bonds. Research shows that Blue Aprons families cook nearly three times more often. 
Those who spend a lot eating out or at high-end grocery chains, and I used to be one of them, uh, can now spend under $10 per person for a healthy, delicious meal. Me personally, um, obviously, we use Blade Apron here as a show. Um, I am buying a house. I need to save money, and this is a good way to do it. Um, you guys obviously love Blue Apron as well in terms of the experience you guys have had. Yeah, it's been great. Everything's just been so good, and it's definitely fun to cook. Like, I've been cooking a lot more with my mom and my grandma and even my brother. Sometimes I'll go to his house and we'll cook. So it's definitely been fun, and the food's just so good, and it's nice to come home and, like, know what I'm cooking instead of rummaging through the fridge and be like, what do I want for dinner tonight? <laughs> yeah, it's – I mean, I've said so many good things about it, but it, what speaks to me is the fact that now at this point, I can't picture not having it. That's probably a good sign. <laughs> yeah, and it's not like we've had it that long. You know, obviously they're a new sponsor to the show. And, guys, I can't cook. <laughs> I just can't. I can't cook. But having these directions are huge because they're all step-by-step. Step. They're very easy. Obviously, everything's fresh when it gets here. So uh, it's really huge, and you're getting a meal for about $10 per meal. Um, and for a family of four, that obviously can save some money, and it definitely helps you out. Um, obviously, they have variety. They're flexible, and they're easy, like I talked about. So definitely a huge thing. Uh, you can check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash redsoxbeat. Uh, you'll love, of course, how good it feels. It tastes to create those incredible home-cooked meals we're talking about with Blue Apron. That's, again, that's blueapron.com slash redsoxbeat. Blue Apron is a better way to cook, and especially for those like me who can't cook um and now we're giving away one extra meal for weeks so it's even ex- better ex- exactly now we upped it up to one meal so definitely go check it out um and blue apron is a great sponsor of ours um guys we obviously went through the recap but i think i don't even want to guys do we, i don't even want to talk about clay buckles he's just a back thought in my mind we, it seems like we bring him up every week um i want to talk what, about what we possibly say at this point it, at this point, he needs to be DFA'd. He needs to be gone. Um, but and again, John Farrell today. I just saw something on the front of ESPN's website saying um, he made a comment, just basically saying there's no decision made. He's he's not going anywhere. So like, good on the Red Sox to keep sucking. Um, but Eduardo Rodriguez is where I want to start this conversation because what the heck is going on with him? Um, he's supposed to be this guy. I understand he's probably not 100. percent I probably agree with whoever might think that. Um, but now this is two pitchers who have been sent down to the minors directly from after a bad start. Like, what's going on? I don't even know. And it's frustrating. I know Erod is young, and I know he was injured to start the season, but it's so disappointing because he was, you know, we had all this hype around him, especially after last season. And it's, I don't even know where to begin with him because I can sit here and say make a million points about a knee injury and how he doesn't have trust in it xyz i just feel like i'm exhausting my argument over that but i don't know if it's tipping pitches i don't know if he's just there's no confidence in himself or what's going on yeah you really nailed it all it's i think the biggest difference for me is just what you just said lack of confidence he seems to have no idea what he's doing his bad body language he's just like looks like he's going out there and just tossing up beach balls. And it's concerning because I don't want to give up on him. Obviously, he's only 23 years old, and he was so good last year. I still wasn't sold he'd be good this year, injury or not. But he's just – this is kind of the point in people's careers, especially in the big leagues and kind of any sport, where you you struggle after you start off well, and then you just, like, lose all your confidence. You, like, don't know how to do it anymore, and you don't regain it, and then you just – those are the guys that, in all sports, after a couple of years, they just kind of fall out of the league and 
stay in the minors or go overseas or whatever, especially in basketball. <laughs> but it's just like it, that's the kind of thing that you, you just kind of lose all your confidence that you can be a major league player. And I hope that doesn't happen to him, but he's doing a good job of making that happen right now. <laughs> yeah, he really is. And I I don't want to put it all back on Farrell, even though as much as I do, um, because this guy's not taking charge of his pitching staff. I know Carl Willis is there as well, but um, something's got to change, guys. Um, obviously, Eduardo Rodriguez, is, I don't think he's 100% healthy, and I'm hoping that this is a year, this is a this year thing and it doesn't turn into a career thing. I think he's better than this, and I think that he's going to come out of it, if not this year, at least next year, um, which I hate to say that because I need him this year, but um, it could last the whole year, so I, I'm preparing myself for that. But, Why can't he figure I mean, out the, his pitches, though? Like what, he, He's tipped his pitches so many times, and he keeps going back to it. Why can't he just figure that out? I, I don't know, <laughs> and I think I, bl- I, I don't want to say I blame John Farrell, but I do. Like If you're a manager, if a kid's struggling with tipping his pitches, you have to help him figure that out. Especially someone like John Farrell, who's a you know pitching guru. Supposedly, let's go. Let's supposedly. Okay, supposedly a pitching guru, and it. Uh, I don't know. It's just, it's so frustrating to watch, and like I said, I can make up so many excuses for him, but I, I mean, maybe it's just a somewhat of a sophomore kind of slump, even though he's not really like full blown sophomore. But uh, I don't know. I'm I can't I can't think of any more reasons for him. It keeps coming back to, yeah, this, you wonder about the staff because there's been numerous pitchers who don't, like, know how to pitch and they don't seem to figure it out. Like, what do these guys do? What what are Farrell and Willis, especially at this point Willis, because Farrell has other responsibilities, but Willis is the pitching coach. They seem like he's a pretty good pitching coach, but when things start going bad, they don't seem to change things. Like, I know they're doing work and stuff, but it's clearly not working, so... Is that on him? Is this on the pitching, the coaching staff? It's been happening for a couple of years. Are these pitchers just so bad that they're like not fixable? I don't understand what it is. Yeah, I don't either. And it's just um, I'm willing to give Erod some time just because of his age and obviously the injury thing. But um, this kind of goes to the next topic. It's just a matter of how long are you willing to give John Farrell time? Um, because this is two pitchers now who have been on, on his watch been sent down to the minors after their start. Now, apparently, Joe Kelly's coming back, and when he does, he's going to be a reliever, um, which is amazing news, because um, we've been talking about that for at least a year now, guys, just him being in the bullpen. I never um, want to see him on the mound to start the game ever again. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how everyone feels with Gluckles, too. He keeps getting his shot. So um, we'll definitely see kind of how it works out. But John Farrell now, I feel, and I know, Jess, we were talking about this even before we started the show. It might just be time to do it because the team needs something. Yeah, I, I, I've, I don't want to like say I've jumped off ship, and Lauren, I definitely want to hear your thoughts on it because I know you like him more than anybody. But <laughs> at this at this point, helping the team or not, because I don't even know if it would help the team to get rid of Farrell. But there's just so, so, so much negativity around him, and there has been for so long that at a certain point, I know I, I mentioned this like a month and a half, like before we started getting good this year. I was like, if people just aren't responding to him and people are so negative around him, whether it's going to help the team or not it might just be better to do it because people are so down on him. Yeah, they definitely think because everyone's the negativity around Farrell, it, it's a distraction to him no matter if he says it or not. Because when you have all that negative attention around you, whether it has to do with you know, position players, whether it has to do with you as a coach, it's going to come down on you. It's going to be on your mind. And then anytime you lose a game, especially a, a, when they're a 
terrible team is putting up 20 plus runs on you, it's going to weigh down on you. And I mean, I don't want to jump ship either. Everyone knows I love Farrell and I've always loved Farrell, but does the team need something? Yeah. But would they respond well to a new coach? I don't know. That's, that's a really big question. And, you know, coming up halfway through the season, I know we're still above 500, but we were so much better two, three weeks ago. And, out of nowhere, we just fell apart, and I don't, I, I don't, I don't know what happened. And like you said, there's two pitchers who've gone down to AAA, and I don't know why Buckles keeps getting start after start, and why Farrell has such faith in him or just won't give up on him. I don't know what's going on there, but I do think something needs to be done. And I hate saying like get rid of Farrell because like I said I, I love him, but I'm just I'm lost at this point. I think it's just the issue is the pitching is, is not pitching consistently like they were. Like, early in the year, the offense was obviously exploding. And we knew that wasn't going to keep up the pace it was. Like, Jackie Bradley was hitting, like, 360. Like, we knew that wasn't happening. But the fact is, this pitching is still a problem. And that's where this is going. And I think a lot of people are putting it on Farrell, myself included, because he supposedly has been this pitching guru. And he kept Lester and Beckett in check back in the day and um, all that stuff. So now it's, well, now where do they go? And I think the first thing is make a move. You got to make a move. You got to get an arm in here. I'm still a fan of bringing in Tehran from the Braves. Um, I think he'd be phenomenal if you can pull that off. Um, but I just don't. This team needs to. Be, I still believe this team can be a buyer at the deadline. I know that was an issue that we people were talking about as well. Um, and I think that first you fire John Farrell, see where it goes. And this could happen, especially if they lose today. I know we're in the middle of recording, so we don't know. But if they lose today, that could be even more reason. You just lost two out of three of the two worst teams in the baseball. So, or two of the worst teams. Um, so that's a reason to let him go. I think even if you don't really 100% want to let him go, this team needs a, a wake-up call. And you firing a leader who's not all of them hate. Like, these guys don't mind Farrell. They like Farrell. If you fire this guy and go, okay, well, now we're putting everybody up on edge now. Okay, manager's gone. News guy's in charge. It will be Lavulo. And now we got to get going. Now we got to play. That's a spark. And if that doesn't work, you, I mean, whatever. But you got to try something. It's too early to make a deal. I still believe that, um, but you got to start with somewhere. Yeah, it kind of makes sense in terms of like the timeline, like not even like after this game specifically, but if they do it like at, at, at like after after uh, the last game of the break, then you fire him, go into the All Star break, have a couple weeks, see how the team does, and then it's the trade deadline. So that kind of makes sense to me. But it, yep. it's, it, the guy can't do anything right at this point. He just can't do a thing right. It, even if he does something good, people still talk about what he does bad. It's, the guy cannot win. Most people in Boston can't win. Even Terry Francona at the end of his tenure when they got rid of him, the collapse and everything, like, he couldn't win. And he was like one of the most loved guys that we've ever had. And he even got crapped on. So it's like it's so hard to do things right. And, you know, he's had his chance. He's had several years at this point. You know, Bobby Valentine only got one year, so it's like nobody gets a lot. Of, yeah. Nobody gets a lot of time here, and he's had a lot of bad seasons. So it just kind of makes sense overall. It's just not a position you stay long term in unless you have a ton of success. And since the first year, he's had literally no success. And it's funny too. I <laughs> I hearken back to the uh, the Chad Finn episode, I believe it was, and he said at that point they were playing really well, and he, we asked him if Farrell was safe, and he said yes, unless like somehow they'd have a massive collapse. Which is exactly what's happened. Because at that Here point, we go. Yep. At that point, we were like 10 or 11, 12 games over 500, and we were like, whoa, we're going to have to play really, really, really bad to get like back to close or at 500. And boom, here we go, 10 and 16 in June. Now we're five, six games over 500. 
And that's exactly what happened. So it's like he was safe, and now it's just going back to exactly where we were before. Yeah, and I think that he he definitely needs to be fired. I think at this point you have to fire him. I mean, I don't. I think waiting past the All Star break, which is soon. I mean, next week. Um, I think that they they need to let him go. I think it's time. Um, I like Luvolo as a manager. Um, I'm rooting hard for Terry Francona. I think everyone around here is. Um, I think Farrell will land on his feet, but. I just think it's the right time. I, I know I've been calling for his head for a long time now. I think a lot of people in this city have. But I think it's time now to finally let it go. Um, I, I'm still a believer that if he didn't have the cancer, he wouldn't have started here. Um, but that was a tough spot for Dombrowski to come in the city and be like, oh, my first act is to fire the guy who had cancer. That wasn't going to happen. So I think that you're in a good spot to do it. I think this team needs a wake-up call. And you're moving in the right direction with that happening. That could light a fire under some of these, these guys' butts. Um, and, if, and then you can be buyers, maybe make a deal for Tehran. Sonny Gray might still be out there um, and go from there. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what else there is to do because something needs to be done. And the trade deadline coming up, if they don't do a thing, I mean, I don't, I don't even know what would happen. I guess. See, I don't think they're. Do you guys actually think they wouldn't do anything though? Like, I think they're going to do something. I, they got to get a pitcher. Yeah. And I think with especially Dombrowski, he knows he's not going to let this slide. Just like go in and make some minor moves. I do think there's going to be some kind of major move made, but at the same time, it's a, we've. And I know it wasn't under Dombrowski before, but we've gone through deadlines when nothing has really happened. But at the same time, we've gone through deadlines where we're trading Manny at four oh seven. So. Oh, man. <laughs> so it's it's really it's really hit or miss. It's up in the air. Like I want there I want there to be a big move, but I'm not going to be surprised either way. I feel like they need I, to buy just because you don't want to waste the offense that we have. This team can go far if we have some pitchers because this offense is, is good. But I don't care what they've done in the last month. Yeah, they haven't been as good, but overall the offense is still really good. And any given day, they're going to put up a lot of runs. And you've even seen it this week. They scored seven on Monday. They scored eight on Tuesday. They scored five. On Friday, so they scored runs. So I just feel like it would be such a shame to let this offense go to waste. Because in the past couple of years, the pitching and offense has been terrible. Now we have yeah. good offense. If we can just get pitchers, we'll be fine. Yeah, I agree. It's just the pitching needs to be, like you said, the pitching is the issue. Um, and they need to do it, like, I would say today, but they're going to have to make a deal. There's no way around that. There's nothing coming up in the farm system. The best player they have is in single A. So they need help pitching. They need it now. Don't be shocked if Dombrowski goes out and gets an arm with some higher-end prospects that you might not want to let go. Yeah. And that's what he's known for. And that's what you need to give up to get somebody who's good. And clearly we need somebody yep. who's good because not that many people are good. <laughs> it's not working. Yeah, it's, it's not working at all. Um, I have one question for yeah. you guys, though. Okay. Just going back to Farrell for just a minute, I saw a stat earlier today that the Sox haven't fired a manager in the middle of the season since – Jimmy Williams in 2001. So, did that mean anything? Because that's a long time. Wow. I didn't realize it had been that long. Yeah. They're I mean, all well, they really haven't had. I mean, they really haven't had anyone they could have fired midseason. Obviously, Valentine. <laughs> but that was just, let's ride it out. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah. We suck. It's whatever. So, like, I think this is the first case they've had since then that they have the opportunity to do so. So, I don't think it really matters because I think now they're in, they're in a chance. This is the first time they've had the opportunity to do it since that time. I mean, I was going to say, if, if Valentine can last the season, then maybe Farrell still has a chance to finish out this season. But, I mean, Jared, like you said, this is the first time they've really had like that chance to do it. And, 
I think it's gonna I think it's gonna say a lot about the the team in the front office if they do fire him because I didn't realize it had been since two thousand one. That's that's a long time. I know, it is. And it's it's funny too because like we said, he probably would have been let go if he didn't have the cancer. So it probably would have just been another normal switch managers in, in the off season like they've done since two thousand one. But that obviously didn't happen because of that. So I guess here's your little outlier to give to give this a chance to happen. I'm just curious now. I know there's a couple names that have popped up, but like, who do you target? Who are you willing to give up some like a Yoan Moncada or a Benatendi for? Because that's someone you might have to part with one of those. You're not going to part with both. I don't think Dombrowski's that dumb, but I think you're going to have to give up, say, Benatendi and Devers and some of these guys to get a guy right now, especially if it's Tehran or say Jose Fernandez, if that actually happened. So, who is the guy? That, who is the one person in this minor league system right now that you would say, uh-uh, don't touch him? I'm going to go with Benintendi. I mean, I, I love Moncada. I, he, I mean, obviously, he's a huge dude. He's jacked, and he's doing good things. But Benintendi, I think, is just showing so much promise. He's just flying through the through the minors, and I just I see so much potential in him. And I think I just think teams would be more interested in, in somebody like Moncada. I want to say Espinosa only because he's a freaking pitcher, and we've had such bad luck with pitchers. So it makes me hesitant because I want to say, don't keep the pitcher because we've had such bad luck with it that maybe he's crappy too, but he's supposed to be so good, and he's actually a pitcher, and we've had a lot more success bringing up batters. So I say keep the pitcher. <laughs> yeah, I think that I am more willing to deal um, Ben and Tenny than Moncada because basically that's the two it comes down wow. to, for the ones you don't really want to deal. For us. <laughs> um, you, I, I know... Moncada can be a distraction because he's so big, but I think he really is a great hitter. Um, and right now, you need you need to find a guy who's going to be able to cog the middle of that lineup when Ortiz is gone. Um, and looking at Moncada and the way he's been hitting and the power that he does have, you're looking at probably your future cleanup hitter. So I don't really know if you want to deal that because you don't want to lack power in the middle of the lineup. He could be someone who sits fourth, third and fourth for years to come, because uh, I also do see Bogey maybe moving up to the two spot when Pajori is gone. But this is a guy that you don't want to deal. Benetton, is a tool, a five-tool player. I get it. Um, and he's a great player. And I wouldn't want to lose either one of them. But if you're making a choice, choose. That's my choice. I've heard better things about Benetton, honestly. I think I'd be more hesitant to give him up, too. But I, it would suck to lose any of them, obviously, if they actually are as good as they're supposed to be, which you never know, obviously. Yeah, and I think there's a good chance you're going to lose one of them. I think they really. I think people aren't really looking into it as hard. But when you know baseball, like a lot of us do, you look at Dombrowski's track record in Detroit. He's not. He's not gun shy about dealing some of these top guys. Which I mean, I don't blame him because prospect is what it is. It's a prospect. You don't know. You're dealing a prospect for a sure thing, and that's what the benefit of that is. And I think people would be more okay with it because most logical people, I think, if they're watching the season, realize we probably need a good pitcher. You know, maybe. Yeah, especially if you're getting Tehran back. Because I love Tehran. He's great. <laughs> you are just all about him today. <laughs> Well, have you watched him pitch? Like he's like the one good thing coming out of Atlanta. No, hey, I'm not arguing with you. Just like it's just funny. Like you just trying to be like so like nonchalant about him. It's like it's just funny. Yeah, he always has a good ERA, even though his team blows. Yeah, which is shocking. So it's it's something that to look forward to. And he's younger. Um, he's under contract, so he's he's kind of what the Red Sox need right now. That's why Sonny Gray is so appealing because he's young and under contract and a stud. So it's something like that that you're going to have to be willing to part ways with. I think I'm still rather them get a starter than a bullpen help. 
Because oh, I think that yeah. right now you need a starter more than anything. And Carson Smith's still there. I know not this year, but like he's still there. So like that's a piece that you're going to have long term in the bullpen. So you don't really need to fire sale for a bullpen help when you when that's really more of a short term fix. I think Dombrowski's looking for now and later. My concern giving up uh, one of those guys for Tehran though is that he's pitching in Atlanta. What's to say he's going to come over here and not be terrible and like forget how to pitch and have the pressure build and blah 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 all that stuff. Well, that's a risk for anybody, though. You know, like, a lot of these guys, like, okay, well, Sonny Gray's pitching in Oakland. So, yeah, like, we all know him. he's good. It's, so it's, like, the same thing for a lot of these younger guys. Who people, Anybody you get now at the deadline is going to be coming from a seller, meaning none of those teams are good. So you, you have to take, you have to kind of best kind of scope it out. That's why Dombrowski gets paid all the money he does to decide which guy is going to be the best fit for you and the best ability to come and pitch in Boston. Yeah, I mean – you see teams like Atlanta and Oakland, and you want – I mean, both Sonny Gray – I mean, Sonny Gray is an amazing pitcher. There's nothing – no doubting that. But like Jess said, you know, what, what's what's to say they're not going to forget how to pitch here? I mean, look at David Price. I feel like he's forgotten how to pitch, and he's pitched in the American League. We were all excited to have him here because he's an 18, 19, sometimes 20-game winner. And, you know, it's – you never you never know. I think it's a risk no matter who you sign. Um some things are, or some people are more of a sure thing than others, but I think with David Price, there's no such thing as a sure thing. So I think Dombrowski will be hesitant, not not so much like hesitant, but he's going to really like look into who he wants. But I think he is, there's, like I said, there's going to be a big move, but I, I just want a good pitcher here. That's all I want. I just want to see wins. <laughs> it's getting bad, and um, when we get to the predictions, I'm not looking for a much better week than I did this week. So uh, um, it, it's it's just crazy how fast it's fallen off, and now they're in July, so you're hoping maybe it's a turning point, and maybe just June was June. We don't know. Obviously, time's going to tell with that, um, and we're going to have to go from there. Uh, don't forget, fans, of course, today's episode is brought to you by uh Seat Geek, uh, to get your $20 off rebate, just go enter the promo code RSB when checkout, you get $20 off uh, your purchase. And, of course, uh, Seat Geek is a, um, is a great new partner of ours, and we're happy to have them aboard. Um, and it's obviously a great sponsor. But, um, guys, I, I hate to do it, but before we move on to predictions, um, and I know Jess put a lot of good stuff on this thing too, but we have just buckles for like two seconds. <laughs> Um, what is going? Because now John Farrell is saying there's nothing changing. So, what in the world do they have to do with Clay Buckles? What can they do with Clay Buckles? I I don't feel comfortable. I mean, this has been saying this for now, but a while now. But like, he really can't go make another start after what he just did against the Angels. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I said this earlier in the show. I don't understand why Farrell will not give up on him, but he's so quick to jump on sending Kelly to AAA, sending Erod to AAA. Hell, I think he'd send Stephen Wright to AAA before he'd send Buckles down there. And I don't understand. I know I've been on the Buckles wagon all season. I know I have. And I just – I wouldn't even put him in for his next start. I wouldn't put him back to the bullpen. I don't don't know what to do with him. And he's – I don't like his answers to the media. I don't like how he's handling how well he's not pitching because – at the beginning of the season, he said he knows what he has to do. He knows he has to stay healthy. He knows he has to pitch well. Okay, well, he can. maybe he's not as healthy as we think. Maybe some, there's like an underlying cause there. I don't know. But Still hasn't gone to the DL, though. He hasn't, which is <laughs> which is like a little like bright spot in this whole Buckholz thing. 
And I don't know if what's going on behind closed doors between Buckles and Farrell or Buckles and the Red Sox. I, I can't wrap my head around this because, you know, like, look at Erod, look at Joe Kelly. I mean, we send Buckles to the bullpen and almost like to teach him a lesson. This is a little slap on the hand for him, and he didn't even handle that well. Like, I, I don't know what's going on in Farrell's head. I don't know what's going on in the head of Buckles. And it's just I can't wrap my head around it as to why he keeps going on the mound start after start. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Um, obviously, these guys are protecting him, but I honestly don't think they have any other option. That's the problem. Because like we talked about, they have no other options in minor league. It's not like Henry Owens is coming up to pitch anytime soon. Uh, your boy Brad Johnson still freaking out on himself, so he's not even pitching. And other than that, who's your option? So if you're saying Joe Kelly and Erod down, Buckles, I mean, he's your option right now. So it, it sucks, but it's so hard to watch. And like he was getting booze when his name got called just for the announcing the lineup yesterday. It wasn't even like in the game yet. He was warming up in the bullpen, and all I heard was, Boo, boo, you suck. Get off the field. Like, it's all you heard. And it's just like this guy's getting chirped after chirp, and he doesn't have the mental capacity to worry about that. Like, he's not in the right place to be dealing with that, but it's not going to stop because he's in Boston. Yeah, and he should know that at this point. He's been here long enough. Yeah, it's, that's what I was going to say. He just doesn't – there's no options to have instead of him. It's just maddening because, like – they, like, specifically before yesterday's game, like, worked on him having better first innings. And he still didn't. What does it take? What do you have to do to yeah. pitch well in the first inning? If he did, he'd be fine. And he can't do it no matter what they do. He just cannot pitch in the first inning. It's ridiculous. It's awful. And he throws meatballs, like, Super. down the middle. Like, just as soon as he threw it, I was like, oh, that's, yeah, no, that's not good. Um, it, it's not fun to watch. He's not good. Um, but there was some good stuff this week, though. Um Betts was the third player in Sox history to get 70-plus runs, 100-plus hits, and 15-plus homers. Before the All-Star break, other two to do that, Wade Boggs and, Han- uh, and Manny Ramirez. I almost said Hanley Ramirez. I knew you were going to um, do that. I knew I was going to do that. Because before, it was always me saying Manny, now that Hanley's the guy. Um, also, Ortiz had his 2,000th hit with the Red Sox, passes McCovey, Thomas Williams, with number 522 in terms of homers. Um, Betts and Bogies with 100-plus hits this year. Uh, first Sox teammates to get that in the first 81 games uh, since 1988. That's crazy. That's a cool stat. Yeah, um, I had to get some positivity here because I knew it was going to be a negative show, and I was like, there's been a lot of exciting things on offense happening, so let's let's talk about that too. <laughs> I mean, it has to be a primarily negative show the way it was going. Well, yeah, um, of course. But it's nice to see a little bit of positive for you. For you optimistic people out there, there you go. There's some positive for pulling out of the show. Um, before we get to previewing, obviously, the week ahead, they have three against Tampa Bay again, and three, uh, excuse me, three against Texas and three against Tampa Bay. Uh, that's the order. Um, there was some stuff around MLB. Of course, we have to touch on the Cleveland Indians. Um, holy crap, guys. Like, I know I picked them to win the division earlier this year, but, like, I did not expect the 14-game win streak to make that possible. Um, I'm rooting hard for Terry Francona. I really am. I love that team. They're fun to watch. I love that Mike Napoli is resurgence has happened and he's playing decently well. Um, the Cleveland Indians are just fun to watch, and of course they they had that 19 inning winning over the Blue Jays. Like they're just a grinded out team right now. And like you said, Jared, they've been so fun to watch, and you know, especially us Boston fans, how can you not root for Terry Francona and that 19 inning game? I mean, I loved it. Of course, I loved it. I could watch baseball all day, but I mean, I know. I just don't even know what to say. I never expected them to have 14 games and just be as dominant as they are. I knew they were going to be good, but I don't. not this good. Yeah, this can't get overlooked. 
these kind of streaks. That's impressive. 14 wins in a row in baseball is so hard to do. That is... Do you think sweeping a series is hard to do? That's like three or four games. To win 14 in a row is just mind-boggling, and to win your 14th in a row in a 19-inning game on the road is even more impressive. It's just awesome. Yeah, it's, they've been good to watch. They've been good teams so far. Um, I don't know what's going on with the Royals. I mean, I do. They're a boring team, and they're showing it. Um, but I don't. obviously, I didn't expect them to be bad. Like, I thought they are still going to be good, and they're kind of muddling along here. So, Indians are taking advantage of it, guys. They're, they're ahead in that division. Um, they're poised to kind of have a strong second half here. Let's see if they make any moves to improve anywhere. Um, but they're looking to go strong. You know what? That was their first loss as well, the one when it got snapped, since the Cavs won their finals. <laughs> so I know a lot of people, yeah, I don't know if people are pointing that out, but um, that was something that happened, which is crazy. Um, other news around the league, uh, Edwin and Carson Owens was suspended a game for um, his bump of the umpire um, when the Twins beat the Rangers 17-5. to um, That was that was just... Why, why would you... And obviously those were separate things. I just kind of put them together. But um, is it a big deal? It's one game. No, I mean, one game, it's... I don't know, it's really not that big of a deal. I mean, they know what's coming if you make contact with an umpire, so. It's just funny, too, because that was in the first inning of that 19-inning game, and he missed that entire game, and now he's going to get suspended for the one game. But, yeah, that's a pretty hard and fast rule. You can't touch the umpire. Everyone should know that yeah. at this point. They could have used him um, in that 19-inning yeah. game, so it's, it's a shame that he had that happen for him. Um, and obviously, like I said, too, the Twins beat the Rangers 17-5 to on Saturday. Um, Saturday was day of blowouts, huh? Yeah, you thought that was going to be the biggest deficit of the day until our game happened. Then <laughs> the Red Sox played, and then all hell broke loose. Ugh. It's just, I, I don't get it. I'm still puzzled by that Red Sox game yesterday. Like, I just, I've never, I've seen obviously things happen like that, but to see it live, it was so hard to watch. And then you have yeah. Sean O'Sullivan come in today and pitch five innings of shutout so far. <laughs> yeah, okay, but he, I don't know where that came from either. Um, it's just stuff. This team is so confusing, and it's just—it's just obviously this this week's not good. Even if they go three and three, it's not a good week for them. Um, and now we're coming up on a week that has three against Texas and three against Tampa Bay again. Um, guys, it's not going to be. I, I'm not predicting much of a better week. No, I mean I'm—I mean I picked a really positive week last week, um, but this so week, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I mean I said what did I say they're going to sweep Tampa Bay. Whoops. Yep, and I said they're gonna sweep LA. Well, can't do that when you give up twenty-one runs. No, can't do that at all. But uh, yeah, it's not good. Um, so let's get into the predictions, and obviously with the week ahead, um, I have you getting swept by Texas. I don't think right now you are not in the right place to beat Texas. Um, the only reason why they didn't get swept last time was because of that improbable comeback. I don't see that happening again. So I, I can't not. I have to pick them being swept by the Texas Rangers, where they're playing right now. Yeah, I mean, I can see why you'd say that. I'm trying not to be as pessimistic as you, Jared. So it's not easy for me. It's not hard for me. <laughs> no, so. it's it's not. It's, it's a little harder for me. So I'm saying that <laughs> they're only going to win one out of three from Texas. And I know, you know, Texas. We obviously saw them last week and what they can do and how well they've been playing. But I think them being at home and I think they're playing really well. Socks are playing really well right now as we're recording the show. So. Hopefully they can, you know, build off that momentum and not go into the next game giving up 21 runs. I'm shocked, Jerry, that you picked a sweep considering we have Porcello, Price, and Wright pitching in the series. 
I don't, I don't care. The way they're going right now, Fine. nope. I'll be ready for you to be wrong. I said win one out of three. I probably should have said two. I just, you know, it's, it's obviously hard to pick. A really good series against the team that's 52-30 and 30 at this point. I mean, we obviously need to play well, or play poorly if people want John Farrell fired, because that was fuel to fire even more. But with, <laughs> with those pitchers going, they should win two out of three. One might be more realistic. Hey, maybe they'll sweep with all those guys. That would just that would be huge. So I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully we play better than we did last time against them. Yeah, you definitely have the right pitchers going in terms of the right that series. But um, the way it's been going, who knows what's going to come out of price nowadays. And obviously, right, right will would be I think the would be the win because of it won't be in the rain. Hopefully, so right. um, <laughs> so we'll see where that goes. Um, and then of course they have. Um, three at home as well against Tampa Bay. Um, I have them um, winning two of three from Tampa Bay. Um, and I think that, obviously, I know you lost two out of three last time, and I predicted that, but I just don't think you can do that twice in two, in two weeks. Um, I think you're going to have to, just how bad Tampa Bay actually is, you're probably going to win two out of three from them and go two and four overall for the week. It's not a bad week for the Red Sox, put it that way. <laughs> um, I th- I'm right there with you. Jared was winning two out of three from Tampa Bay. You know, I said – last week like I said I said they would sweep them and obviously that didn't happen but I think you know same reasons there I think it's the week before the all-star break they're they're gonna know what they what they need to do and they're putting up the runs they're just giving up too many to go along with it so I think it's gonna be they're gonna win two out of three with it for a nice 500 week which I'll take it at this point yeah <laughs> that'll be what this week is if this lead holds right now um I got sweeping Tampa Bay. I'm tired of losing to crappy teams. It's at home. I'm sick of it. We're going to sweep them because they're terrible. And we're going to finish the week 4-2. and two. Everyone will be confused. Should we fire Farrell? I don't know. What should we do? And it's going to be all confusing. It's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, you just want people to be dazed and confused now. Yeah. Wow. I think they should still do it, but it's going to, obviously, if you finish up the All-Star break, good. Then people are going to be like, oh, what should we do? Also, on the weekend of uh, slaughterings, the Blue Jays are beating the Indians 13 to nothing in the sixth inning. So there's wow. that. And also, uh, um, I know I could totally be jinxing this, but there's a no-hitter watch at the moment. Oh, well, yeah, Strasburg, right? Yeah, and it's his first start from the DL, I believe. Or second. Yeah, first. first or second. That, DL, that DL-ridden boy over there in Steven Strasburg. Yeah, but he's been dominant uh, this year. Then he, and... then he comes back and he's good after it, which is weird. That is, yeah, it's really weird. Um, he's like he's like meant to be on the DL at least once a year just to get healthy and be buying again. It's just the way his career has gone. Um, but there you go. We're not predicting too great of a week for your Boston Red Sox. I know I at least me and Lauren are. Je- Jess, of course, is. Um, but that's not going to happen. So um, there you go. Another week of Red Sox beat. Of course, we are brought to you by Blue Apron and SeatGeek. Uh, don't forget to check them both out at blueapron.com slash redsoxbeat. Get your three free meals. And, of course, use the promo code RSB to get $20 off after you made uh, your first ticket purchase. And you will be able to get that rebate. It's a great deal. And, obviously, we use SeatGeek anyway. So might as well save $20. Um Big week ahead for the Red Sox. Obviously, this outcome looks like they're going to go 3 3 if the lead holds. Um, but a huge week ahead again for the Red Sox because if you want John Farrell man, fired, they have to lose. If you don't want him fired, obviously, you want him to win. So, you're kind of, whoever's in the middle there, you're stuck there. Uh, don't forget, find us on Twitter at Red Sox underscore feet. Facebook is Red Sox Beat Podcast. Um, we will be back next week um, talking more Red Sox baseball, talking the All Star game. Uh, there's so much to be talking about next week, so we'll see where the team is at after next week. Uh, for Jess Thomas and Lauren Campbell, I am Jared Scali. Uh, we'll be back next week. This is Red Sox Beat here on CLNS Radio.